0: For listening and being a part of Mama Said, and thanks in advance for supporting these sponsors in this episode. They help us have this much fun with you every week for free. So enjoy the show.
1: Well, a boy's best friend is his mother. No one
2: said being a parent would be easy, but now you don't have to go through it alone. Actress and mother of two, Jamie Lynn Sigler, has teamed up with musician and stay-at-home mother of two, Jenna Paris, to create a safe place where you can confess your worst mommy sins oh. and still feel like you're killing the mommy game. Oh. This is Mama Said with Jamie and Jenna.
0: So, hello, mamas. We have a very special moment to be able to share with you with the incredible Betsy Brown Braun, um, who is just sort of a... Expert in all things with parenting and advice, and in particularly in this time, I think we're all deeply affected by the passing of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and all of the other passengers aboard that terrible helicopter crash. And I think while it hits all of us so deeply, we immediately think about our children and they have questions, and sometimes we don't feel like we have the answers. So, Betsy's here to share with us some advice. That she could give and how to deal with death and grieving with our kids. So, Betsy, we're just going to hand it over to you because we just we just
2: need to. <laughs> and and your article was so incredible. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background, really quickly, so people know who they're listening to?
1: Well, I'm a child development and behavior specialist. I've been in this field, the field of. Parenting and teaching and kids and families for believe it or not forty nine years, which is really scary. I'm I'm a dinosaur. I'm a (laughs) (laughs) and um, I've you know I've taught I've taught all kinds of I've taught every age of school. I'm a founder of a large early childhood center. Um, I have two books out, both of which are excellent. And shamelessly, I am going to say to you that if you haven't read my first book, just tell me what to say. It's kind of a it's kind of a, a, a manual for helping parents during those really tricky first years of kids like mm-hmm. two to six. And it's how to talk to kids about sex and about death mm-hmm. and sibling issues and food issues and, and you know, discipline issues and all that stuff. And so that in my second book, You're Not the Boss of Me, I, I really, if they don't need to sell, I don't need to sell them. They're both best sellers, but I'm just letting you know those are out there. Grace. So. My background is I work with parents, I work with kids, I work with families, I do seminars, I present in schools and organizations, I do media. Well, that's it. That's it? That's it? just nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i got all kinds of free time.
2: Great. Well, okay, so let's dive into um, this article, this beautiful article that you wrote. Um, there were a lot of thoughtful answers and tips that parents you know, can give their kids about Kobe and Gianna and the rest of the um, people who passed away and also when you know death happens in their family unexpected so we'll let yeah we'll let you take it from here
1: well thank you for your kind words about my post it was it was so overwhelming the news of this death and I heard it very early on in, in two hours after it happened the news came out and I my first my first, instinct was I've got to write a post I've got to get it out because this is not so much about teaching your children about death which we are going to talk about but it's about kids who are older who already know about death mm-hmm. this is, it becomes very personal for many people because when there is a public figure with whom you've been relating for so many years it really feels like you've lost a family member yes. somebody close right and I know how difficult it is for parents to find the words to help to children to understand or to bring comfort. So I wanted to get this piece out to as many people as I could, because quite honestly, that helped me to cope. So yeah. it was selfish and not selfish. Um, explaining, and I am i don't know, Jamie, what the ages are of the children of the parents who listen to your podcast are, but I'm going to be on it. the young Yeah, but probably more on the younger side than on the teenage side. Sure. Because when you yourself have, and I don't know how old your children are, but I'm going to assume they're on the younger side than on the teenage side because you're an infant yourself.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you.
1: No, I have a six-year-old,
0: and he had a lot of questions.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so I want to, rather than speaking specifically, well, let me start with this learning about death is so difficult it's difficult for the wisest of us to mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. you know people spend their whole lives trying to understand death and afterlife and what does it really mean to be dead and I could tell you stories about when I had to identify my own mother's body and I was like what <sighs> is going on and I was purely adult at the time right. so this is a really hard thing to understand and that's really why I send people to read my whole chapter about that for young yes. children. Death is the only inevitability in life. It's the only thing of which we can be a hundred percent sure that everyone and everything that is alive will die. Mm-hmm. So children have to learn about this. What is a parent's job? Well first of all, know this, that death is not a loaded subject for a child. You know, it's like about eating or using the bathroom. It's just something else that a child has to learn it's about. black right. and white. Yep. Yeah. And we have to make it. We have to help children to understand that in not expressing our, what we know about death, how painful it is, right. how sad it is, how tremendous it is. So our children are watching us for our reactions, and we give them messages far beyond the words when we explain things like death. We are also models for our children in how we get through things like this Mm -hmm. and um, how, you know, how how we function, how we process. So it's a huge amount of responsibility for parents.
0: Yes. So we have to be Um, cautious of projecting our own mourning on our kids and, and more supporting their version of mourning?
1: Well, yes and no, because... I was just talking about generally speaking, death. Sure, mm-hmm. we don't want to make it for a you know a four-year-old. Every four-year-old is going to ask, "What does it mean to be dead? What of course. is dying?" My
2: four-year-old what is, is starting to do that almost every yeah. day. And my father passed away, so he's very curious. And I talk about my dad, and he's he just the questions roll all the time.
1: Yeah, isn't it? It's it's so appropriate, and yes, it's so daunting. Yeah, because. We don't want to make our kids sad, mm-hmm. and we don't want to create fear where it might not exist, and we don't want to create anxiety, yet we have this tremendous responsibility to help them learn about this, mm-hmm. so, and especially when there's a family member. I, I love that your four-year-old wants to learn about your dad because it gives us so many opportunities to show how you go on as an adult, even though you don't have your
2: father. Right. Life goes on. Right. Yes,
1: and keep in mind for a four-year-old in particular, and I call four the age of questions. Mm-hmm. They want to know about death, they want to know about God, they want to know about sex, they want to know about body parts, they want to know about everything. They're curious, and I think curiosity is one of the greatest qualities of children. Yeah. So we could get into that another time. <laughs> so um, when they ask um, about, when a four-year-old is asking about death, we want to help them to understand the reality. We want to help meaning that everything that's alive that dies. But Mm -hmm. we have to keep in mind what the 4-year-old is really saying is, I don't want you to die. I don't want to be separated Mm -hmm. from you. And at first they go to, I don't want to die, and then they go up to, I don't want you to die. Mm -hmm. So whenever a child asks a question, we have to kind of understand what might be going on under that question. question. Questions are windows into what is going on with a child. So they're giving us an opportunity to explain not only what the, their question is, but to understand what they're feeling. So the first thing we know when we talk to young children is, yes, it's true, I am going to die. Everything that's alive will die, but I am not dying for a very, very, very long, 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 long time. Mm-hmm. When something like we lose somebody so public like Kobe Bryant, that is not, that goes against what we just said. Premature right. death, unanticipated death, untimely death, is another reality that children have to understand. Which is, while well, now I'm speaking to your six-year-old, while well, yes, it's true that people don't die for, until usually until they're very, very, very old, when parts of their bodies stop working, when all the things we need to help us to live can no longer work, kind of like an old truck whose wheels don't turn anymore, when that happens, they begin to not be able to live in the way they need to live, and they eventually die. Once in a long, long while, people die before they get old. And that happens for a variety of reasons. Maybe they had a problem with the body that a doctor couldn't fix. Mm -hmm. I don't ever use the word sick, by the way. I've been because, searching
2: for that answer for so long because my son always says, well, if we die when we're old, 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 not for a long time, why did your dad die when he was young? So that's And the, the answer, answer to
1: that is, first of all, I'm so glad you're asking me that question. Whenever your child asks you a question, you have to receive it with, I'm so glad you're asking me that question because mm-hmm. I'm the person who will always answer your questions mm. honestly. Then we get to say, you know, it is. you are so right that my dad died before he was very, very old. And the reason is, I'm, can I? should I assume that your dad had cancer? Yep, you're right. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes, not very often, people have problems with their bodies that doctors cannot fix. Usually, doctors can fix everything. And we say this, even though it's a lie. We have to reassure our kids. The same time that you're talking, you don't want him to think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. You're going to die. Right. right. Okay. So we say usually doctors can fix problems. I don't say illness again. Mm-hmm. I don't say sickness because your six-year-old thinks that six is having a cold. Yes. Or, di- or diarrhea. Right. Or, a be- you know, a bad right. tummy. So I don't say sick. I say a problem with part of their bodies. So that's what happened to my dad. My dad had something called cancer, and there are some kinds of cancer that doctors have a really hard time fixing. Mm. It doesn't happen very often, we say over and over again, but it does, and that's what happened with Grandpa. Mm-hmm. Could His body couldn't live. They couldn't fix the cancer. The other part of this, and sometimes people get in accidents, not very right. often. We live in a very safe world. Mm-hmm. Again, we're lying, but we want our children <laughs> to know that most of the world is safe. This is when
2: lying is is okay.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, well, you're you're not, ha- as I said, go ahead, okay, go ahead. I was going to say, you get on an airplane, and when your child says, as I right. said in the article, "Mommy, is this plane going to crash?" you don't say, "Gee, I hope not." Mm-hmm. You right. Say, "No, this plane is not going right. to crash." You don't know that. Right. So we want to reassure them. Of
2: course.
0: But, How very, very, very know, rare it is.
1: Yeah, that—that that is the mm-hmm. idea, that it's very, very rare. And that's what happened to Kobe Bryant and all the other people who were tragically died in this accident. There was a problem that had to do with this helicopter. They're trying to figure out what it was. Actually, it seems that the helicopter was safe, I'm saying to my child. Mm-hmm. The problem was it was very foggy. And that, and and this particular pilot, who was actually a very good pilot, did not have the equipment that he needed, or he had been given permission to fly when he should not have been flying. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of lots of truths we want to say, but there's a lot of reassurance we want to say at the same time. I have
0: a quick question. So I I had a brother that passed away when my son was just about two. Um, very mm-hmm. suddenly, he was okay. 41, very young, and. Mm um my son was around all types of mourning obviously seeing my parents and then for me i mean i was very strong for him and i remember him saying pointing to like butterflies and birds and saying uncle adam uncle adam and he somehow associated that that was my brother coming back and still to this day he sees butterflies and dragonflies and he goes oh uncle addy's here And I heard him on the I went to his school yesterday for something and kids were talking about it. And he said, oh, Kobe probably came back as like a cheetah or someone like super fast. And like that's his way, I think, of like feeling like and like he'll say to me, like when I come back, I want to be a puppy. I'm like, okay, like, is this okay for me to perpetuate like support
1: that he believes this? Well, first of all, that's a really good question. Thank you. And second of all, because this podcast is going out to many, many people who have many different beliefs, I say this um, carefully. Lots of people have lots of different ideas. Your son got that idea from somewhere. That's not something that a kid comes up with. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, oh, he's going to come back as a butterfly. Something right, like right. that happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know where. I don't know who. Um, five, I don't. And I don't know how old your child is now. How he's, old six. Is he now? he's six. He's six. He said, oh, that's, oh, sorry to me. I didn't yeah, realize you were that's talking okay. about So five and six-year-old children are very concrete in their thinking. I always go to the development place, and we, we are concrete thinkers at this age, and then we kind of become more abstract thinkers. And it's kind of, so this is what, the way he has concretized something that is very abstract, because at his age he has to do it. It also brings him comfort. And it is also the reason that I suggest to parents that they not introduce the heaven piece Mm. as we explain death now this is where it gets touchy and I apologize if I'm stepping on anyone's beliefs but as a child development specialist what I believe when we say to children uncle Adam has gone to heaven one of the thoughts they have is well why would he want to leave us? Right. Why is he oh. here? Why did he choose to go there? And plus, then they get this idea of Uncle Adam in heaven. Kind of. Um, you're probably too young to remember a movie called Heaven Can Wait. Sure. Um, Warren Beatty was in that movie, and he had him kind of walking around with in normal clothes on clouds with mm-hmm. wings, kind of. You know. And so they have this idea that you've gone to live somewhere in your clothes, in your outfit, being <laughs> Uncle Adam somewhere else, and. We know that does not happen. That is misinformation. Sorry to believers. But I look at this as an opportunity to say to kids, and I mentioned this in the article, that as we explain death, that what we can... And by the way, let me just say interject this. Nobody really knows about death because, really, nobody has been dead and come back.
2: No, right. We we don't
1: know. Right. Right, there was that kid who made a gazillion dollars on the book that were you know, that he had gone to heaven and he'd come back and, and everybody all the, the the religious people were touting this book and it turned out it was a crop as fake. Yeah. That his, yeah, the whole thing terrible infuriated yeah. me. Anyway. So, um, we don't really know. But this is what we do know. I mean, we do know that there is energy in people. There there is energy and once energy is is there energy never goes away it's in somehow it's in the the atmosphere do i know what happens to that energy do i think my mother is a hummingbird i don't know maybe i don't know is what i'm saying Mm -hmm. but i still look at children's learning and i say this is our opportunity to explain to kids that everybody has every body has two parts every person There's the part you can see, and I touch my body all over, and I say, that's the body, the flesh and the bones and the skin and the hair. That's all my body, and everybody has one of those. Mm -hmm. We also have something called a soul or a spirit. When we talk to kids, we explain about the soul that you can think about what I look like when Mm. you're at school, when I'm at home. That is my soul. That's what beautiful. You about me. When you're on the phone and I'm on the other end of the phone and I'm talking to you, can you picture what I look like? Can you think about what I like to eat? You know that I like, to, I like jokes or you, everything you know about me is my soul. So that kind of makes concrete this idea of a soul. Right. Makes sense. Here's another thing. When we say to kids, when we talk to them about a soul, when your child is your genetic material, in other words, not adopted, for a young child, you can look at a picture of yourself or you can look with your child in the mirror and you say, do you see how you have my eyes? Or do you see how you have daddy's eyebrows? Or do you see how you have grandpa's nose or whatever it is? That's part of a person's soul. We live inside other people. It's kind of a cuckoo thing to say, isn't it? But it's the way it goes. Yeah.
0: You know, I think just with all of this in in listening, it's it's the simplicity of explaining things to children. It's almost as simple as it can be for us adults as well. I feel like it's like the piece that we're longing to give our kids about such a big topic. A heavy is topic. Something that really um, actually can be that simple. us as well. And I think the way you've laid it out is is really helpful as a parent, I mean, with all of your advice. And I think we're just both very grateful that you took this time um, this morning to give us this in such urgency as we're dealing with this. Um, Can you tell us quickly how everyone can find this article that you wrote about Kobe Bryant's death? And then again, let's talk about the titles of the book so people continue to uh, listen and read about your wonderful advice.
1: Well, thank you, and thank you, and thank you. I want to say one quick thing about the soul and Kobe Bryant. Oh, yes. He, yes. Is, he is a great example of how we can explain soul and spirit and body to children. Because look at the way he is being celebrated and how people mm-hmm. remember him and feel him. That's the soul of Kobe Bryant. Mm. Right. And that will stay forever and ever. Souls don't go away. Yes. There is a wonderful science experiment you can do with your child quickly. You can, you, Jamie, can take a glass, of, a, a transparent glass of warm water, and you can, you can say to your child, taste this, what is it? And he says, what do you say, what is it? He says water. And then you get out your canister of sugar, let him stick his finger in, and you say, what does it taste like? Taste tastes like sugar. Mix a couple tablespoons of sugar into your water. Let him see it. Watch it dissolve and disappear. Have him taste it. What does it taste like? It tastes sweet. tastes like sugar. Why is it that like? Because we put sugar in it. So we put it in, we know it's there, but we can't see it. It's kind of like a person's soul. It's there, but you can't see it. That's so nice. Love that so much. Beautiful, beautiful way to take something that is so abstract and make it concrete. By the way, that's love. That's how we describe love, also. Right. You can't see it, but it's there. We need you back, Betsy. (laughs) Yes, thank Uh you. Happy to come anytime. I can be found on my website, which is com, And this blog is under, it's currently up there. It's under, if you go to blog, it's the first one.
0: Perfect. Okay. Okay.
1: And my two books are Just Tell Me What to Say, Sensible Tips and Scripts for Perplexed Parents. And my second book is called You're Not the Boss of Me. (laughs) <laughs> Brat-proofing your 6- to 12-year-old
0: child. There we go. That's what's what I'm signing up for. I will be reading that today, <laughs> buying it and reading it. <laughs> Betsy, thank you Absolutely. so much for your time and your beautiful words and advice. We're so grateful. It's my
1: pleasure. Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you, Betsy. Bye. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to Mama Said. The Lady Gang Network is produced by Will Sterling, Steve Delamater, Kirsten Woodward, and
0: Elizabeth Bakeway. Thanks for rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcasts and tune in for new episodes every single week.